Marvelites, welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 342. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Jamie Frevely, a.k.a. Agent Covered in Dog Hair. Ooh, that's yeah. a good one. I've always perpetually covered in cat hair, so mm-hmm. I understand your plight. Rush. Shed so much. Brushing actual families of tribbles off my dog <laughs> every week. Tribbles, those are kind of like little Ewoks, right? They're kind of like little baby Ewoks. Nice, nice. Okay. When you start talking Star Wars, I get it. Star Trek, it's just like... Yeah, I understand. Live long and prosper, Ryan. Anyway, (laughs) uh, you know what? (laughs) Biggest news of the week, I want to hit this up top, is... Let's do it. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been renewed! It's back! It's back! It's going to be back for season six. We're very excited. It is amazing, which... Is also awesome because the end of season five is bananas crazy. As, Seemed like the end. Oh, yeah. And, and so many things. And you're just like, what? Oh, my gosh. Uh, and this week, season finale. So whew, take a breath. Know that there's going to be more. Yes. How and why and what and who and where and when. We don't know. But it's very exciting. It's really great. Congratulations to the cast and crew and Marvel Television. So this week, man, this week is Wild. There's we do have a very big event going on here at Marvel. What's that? We have some creators in the house. You better believe it. We have the Marvel Comics Creative Retreat or Summit or Editorial Summit or Editorial Retreat. Literally everybody who talks about it says it in a different way. But what it is is every couple months we bring in uh, a lot of our writers and some artists and they come in in a room with Marvel Comics Editorial as well as some other staff and they hash out the future of the Marvel Universe. I sit in on these when I can, like I am this time, to help figure out what's going on, to help us figure out, hey, what's going to be cool so we can plan out things that we want to cover and do things around. Uh, As of recording right now, we're only through day one, but I think I wrote up seven pages of notes. Wow. I mean, I saw the room. There are lots of creators in there. And to be a fly on that wall listening in. I can't talk about much, but... Uh, what the cool thing is, is, you know, these are the best writers, best creators in comics, hands down. And so they're coming at this with so many fully formed ideas. Like, and then they hit the room and they say, this is what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. And you've got so many other people who are thinking, cool, what if you did this? How about this story beat? Oh, my characters in my books are doing this. How can this tie in? How can this work together? How does this all make sense? And you have you know, C.B. Sobolski, who is our editor-in-chief. We have Joe Casada, who's our chief creative officer. We have all the great editors. And they're all just like, it's just like neurons firing wow. constantly. Uh, so there's a lot of ideas that are fully formed. And that get changed and morphed and built and, and become cooler, different things. So not a lot to say. Um, we do we did record an episode of uh, This Week of Marvel with Nick Spencer, uh, writer for Amazing Spider-Man. So we talk a little bit about the retreats in that. That'll give a, a little bit more detail when we release that. Uh, it won't be this episode because this episode, our main guest is Scotty Young. Yes, and but that's not all. No, we have two two extra guests who will show up during the news section. I will leave it at that. We'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about some comics this week. Our three picks are All New Wolverine number 35, Captain America number 702, and The Mighty Thor at the Gates of Valhalla number one. Man, what a week. What a week. Uh, Before we get into that, heads up that the pull list video version, you can see me and Tucker being me and Tucker. Congratulations. You won an award. 
watching us. Uh, there's going to be a new feed coming for that and uh, new fun stuff. But uh, stay tuned. More details on all that stuff. But yeah, if you want to watch us, it's a little bit different than the audio version of the poll list. So that's an incentive to give us a little bit of your clicks. Yeah, because so. you can actually see the comics. Ooh. I mean, the whole point is to look at them, right? Yes. Look at them, read them, enjoy them, absorb them. Uh, what else? I think I think that's – I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like we should dive into – Shall we dive into that pool? Yes. Okay. Uh, first book, I'll take it. It is my one of my picks. It is all new Wolverine number 35. This is the final issue. Uh, and so – if you've not been reading all new Wolverine, one, what are you doing with your life? Because it is one of my favorite comics maybe ever produced. It's it's wow. in that realm of favorite runs of all time. On this final issue, it's art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Nolan Woodard, letters by VCs Corey Petit. Uh, great cover by David Lopez that I, I really love. It shows Laura holding her sister over a pile of Doombots with other Doombots trying to go, go after her. And so that that's the story. It's Laura Wolverine as one of the leaders of the world versus Dr. Doom, another one of the leaders of the world. So that's what we've been building to in this arc. And in this future story, Doom is really the only obstacle left to having almost a utopia, a peace. They've done so much, and he's still done so much against the heroes that uh, he has to be taken off the board. And Laura's, she's said in the first part of this arc, she's dying before she goes. She has to, one, find her sister, and two, stop Doctor Doom. So that that's the story we get in this one. But what makes it so great to me is that it is such a fulfillment of the promise of that mission, a fulfillment of what we've been reading for these past three years of this story, of a book that's funny, a book that's violent, that is full of hope, uh, that is full of frustration, anger, emotion, feelings, uh, family, connections, friendship, all these things. It's everything that you know has been put into this series, galvanized and sort of like crushed like a beautiful diamond from you know a different element into this beautiful piece. Ramon Rosanas, uh, I'm so glad, was able to join for this final arc because Ramon's art is so clean. His lines are so... It's this weird thing. Like, he's very detailed where the detail counts. And you can look at, you know, there are some panels where, you know, there's just sort of a background is just a color uh, instead of, you know, really wildly constructed background that isn't necessary. You need to focus on something. I'm looking at a panel where it's a big sound effect and <laughs> the rolling head of a Doombot just having gotten cut off. And the background is just, you know, it's hues. It's yellows and, and oranges. And I think that's really good. You don't need to see anything behind that. And he saves that, you know, real detailed elements for the next panel where you do need to see the the framing of where Laura is, the room has been destroyed behind her, the steps, there's rubble in different places. And it's those things that I think are really important in this book. He drives your eye to looking at specific things. And there's so much emotion. There's also this scene where Laura says she's talking to Doom and they're fighting and she's basically like, I'm badass. I'm going to take you down. Thor's hammer is sitting there. And she goes 
to the hammer. And Gabby is looking from the shadows. And the look on her face is like, oh, my gosh, she's going to do it. She's going to do it. It's this great sequence. I will not spoil what happens. Wonderful stuff. The book opens with a character in tears. And it ends with characters holding hands. That's the book to me. We can hit that full spectrum and, and feel rewarded for the story and the journey. I love this book so much. I'm Ugh. so sad it's gone. This, well, it's comics, so there's always a next chapter. Yes, and the so. next chapter is X-23 by Mariko Tamaki and Juan Cabal, which comes in July. And I'm very excited for that. But, man, read the like th- almost 30 issues of All New Wolverine on Marvel Unlimited if you've not read it yet. And then dive into this old woman Laura story. I'm going to because I, um, first of all, love the convenience and service provided by Marvel Unlimited where I can keep going back. Like you recommended a storyline with Captain America and Deadpool and Yes, yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly or the good, the dead, and the ugly. Yeah. So worth it. Heck, yeah. Now, what is your pick, Jamie? My pick is Captain America number 702. And the comic is like one of those things because I'm a big history junkie. Mm. I want to go back to the beginning. And thinking about the context of when Cap started, which was not in the 40s when Steve Rogers was fighting World War II, but the 60s when he was found. So the time disparity between that Cap and our Cap, it's different because the 60s were such a different time in U.S. history. So I feel like bringing a cap from World War II into the 60s is a much different cap, and I'm so curious about discovering that. But in the meantime, we have cap comics now. And right now we have this Mark Wade story with artist Leonardo Romero and with Rod Rice and Howard Chaikin. Color artist Jordi Belair with Rod Rice and Jesus Albertov and a letter is by Joe Carmagna. And a great cover by Michael Cho. I mean, I Cap is iconic and great to look at, but what's behind that? You know, it's not just an icon. But this is about Steve Rogers' descendant in the future, which is a few centuries in the future. What I like, too, is uh, there's three elements to this story in particular. And you've got uh, Rod's pages at the beginning telling this little story about Cap in France in World War II. And then you've got uh, Howard Chaikin's pages uh, telling this story of how the their this reality sort of shifted and changed. And you've got gnarly Red Skull having beaten all the heroes. He's got the Cosmic Cube. It's like this final fatal, fateful battle between them. Yeah. And then you've got Leo's pages of this current sort of future time. The it's Jack really Rogers storyline. Yeah. See, I always wonder... This is my big thing with with the Marvel comics is um, Cap became Cap through a scientific experiment. Does that mean his DNA was altered and his descendants have super serum thingies in them? Or is our Jack Rogers just a normal dude who's related to Steve Rogers? But yeah, so we have Jack Rogers and he is not, as far as we know, super powered. However, he is in this sort of zhuzhi club full of history types. Looks like a bunch of professors sitting around drinking brandy. Yeah, they've got this cool, like, time tech, and they, they're they sort of observers of things. They're like anthropologists, whereas we've discussed before, if you're an anthropologist, you are not supposed to affect the things you're observing, but you're going to affect them anyway. Yeah. And there's one dude in this room who has been affecting way too many things. Yeah. And <laughs> people are told to avoid him. He has... But time dived way too much. Yeah, these are the Guild of Historians, which are kind of chronal anthropologists, which is neat. 
Yeah, it's yeah. very, very cool. But this guy has spent way too much time in the past concentrating on the past that he can't he can't tell the difference between what's now and what's then. He apparently has some things to tell Jack Rogers, and one of those things is a very important, recognizable, iconic symbol. Yeah. So then Jack Rogers has to take some action, and against, you know, the advice of others, he takes a look into the past, and he sees some things. Yeah. He sees some crazy things, and he sees that maybe that famous DNA of his is, maybe there's a sense of duty in there for yeah. Mr. Jack Rogers. And that, that kind of goes along with what uh, writer Mark Waid has been doing previously with Chris Somney and Matt Wilson, but in this arc, it, it really hits those notes of legacy, history, yeah. destiny, and what Captain America means as a symbol, uh, as more than just a person, what does he mean to us? Yeah, I mean, if you think about Steve Rogers before the super serum, he it feels like he knew what his destiny was and he had to force it to happen. He had to find some sort of painful, unnatural way to achieve his destiny, and he did. And now he's created this path and... It's got to be really heavy on Jack Rogers' shoulders to be, you know, descended from that guy. Yeah. No pressure. If you're like great, 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 grand, whatever, was this amazing figure uh, and you feel like you have a part to play in that story, it's a tough one. Yeah. But also some really nice, fierce looking Red Skull in this. Ugh. There's a Oh, there's a great story. So in uh, Captain America during the 80s, well, in Marvel Comics and during the 80s, there's a real quick side uh, sidebar, uh, there was a story called Acts of Vengeance. And all the villains got together, this great story. They were like, we always get beat by our, vil- our, our arch enemy, so why don't we trade enemies, guys? And they're all <laughs> like... That's not going to work, guys. You just have to change your ideas. <laughs> but they go with it. And so you get them swapping different uh, you know, people that they're going to fight. Red Skull goes after Magneto and they're in Captain America together and Magneto was going to go after Cap uh, as part of this plot. But Red Skull's there and he's like, you're a Nazi. Uh Uh-uh. Done with you. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he crushes him in metal. Uh, And it's the dopest story. It's great. I have to reread it. It's part of Acts of Vengeance. It's been a couple of years. So if one of you listeners is is like pushing up your glasses and saying, well, actually, Mm -hmm. this is what happened. That's totally cool. You can tweet to me at Agent M hashtag of this week in Marvel with a correction on that one. And if you know more scenes where Nazis are being like crushed into metal or melted or something like that, please get in touch with me on Twitter at at Jamie Revely. But Nazis not having them. Yeah. Not having them them yeah but you know what we are having is the next pick which is mighty thor at the gates of valhalla this is still happening heck yeah number one is so dope this one is cool we've got two stories up in here they're all written by jason aaron all the colors in this issue and all the lettering by matt wilson and joe sabino but the first story is the tomorrow girls which feature the goddesses of thunder thor and his three granddaughters frigg Elsev and Atli and their adventure. Then the second story is called Lord of the Realms, uh, and it is really about Malekith and the beginning of his War of the Realms, this thing that he's going and you know beating the drums about uh, and starting and killing and murdering lots of people. That one is drawn by Ramon Perez. So very exciting. We get this story that is featuring the Goddesses of Thunder. These are characters who have been in this six-year run of Jason's Thor story. I believe they were in Thor, God of Thunder, 
and way in the future, Asgard, untold eons from now, King Thor, he's, you know, seen and done it all, and he has these granddaughters who they just want to fight and just have a good time. They are terrific. They go around and they're like, ooh, I know what we should do. We should go to the past and check out some stuff. See old uh, young version of Thor, get into some fights. Uh, there's a lot of them eating, drinking, fighting, having a good time. That brunch with these ladies would be amazing. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's great. We see a young Thor who cannot pick up the hammer. Uh, they travel through time. We see them see Throg. The Frog of Thunder. <laughs> we see uh, the Ghost Rider and Starbrand from the uh, prehistoric Avengers, which we can see in the pages of Avengers right now. Uh, we see my favorite Thor, Dargo Kator, the mulleted, spiked, shoulder-padded. Oh, goodness. Beautiful boy who is the Lord of Thunder in like the 26th century. He's great. He's part of the Thor Corps. He's amazing. I love him so much. Uh, he shows up in this book. Uh, we get to see uh, Thor fighting this wild version of Loki, this really cool stuff. But ultimately, they land in you know our present time in the Marvel Universe, and they see the mighty Thor that they were looking for. But she's not the mighty Thor anymore. It's Jane, having gone through all her trials. She's, she's battling cancer. We get these beautiful couple of pages of them talking to each other and just... It's so great. It's this reaffirmation of the legacy that Jane has on Asgard, Asgardia, the Thor, all of that legend. She is such an integral part of it, and rightfully so. Her her story was so dope. And uh, great moment. Their final big splash page of this part of the story is tremendous. Mm. It just warms the heart. Uh, it I does. Also, yeah, right? And I also got to say, Jen Bartel so good she does a lot of cover art she does a lot of you know like pinup style stuff i follow her on on social media amazing artist and we don't get to see a lot of her interior work but here we get to see like her just go all out and she's like leaps and bounds keeps getting better her storytelling the reaction she has there's something about her pencils in this which are like a little bit looser than they are when she does a cover that's what it feels like to me and it just it feels more kinetic and it's so good it's it, it hits all those emotional notes the comedy is right on point it is fun she's just killing it right now but that's not the end because the second half of this issue is like the complete opposite we've had this cool story and fun and light and exciting and, and like this affirmation of heroism. And then the second part is Malekith. Dark elves. Yeah. Dark elves. Uh, it's Malekith rolling around with Scourge, rolling around, murdering, killing, twisting, just defiling things. We see the black Bifrost, which is the like most metal version of something that <laughs> is already metal. Like, you have the Ronnie James Dio version of the Bifrost, which yeah. I love, which is great. It's the Rainbow Bridge. But now we've got, like, I don't know, the Cradle of Filth version of the <laughs> Rainbow Bridge here. You know, I've been trying to figure out why, what Thor has makes keeps making me think of, and that is exactly what it is. Cradle like of Filth? 80s metal. Oh, yeah. 80s, like, 70s, 80s, crazy, dark elf, spinal tap metal. Yeah. What's cool about this is we're we're seeing it's it's this horrible tour of the realms 
seeing Malekith's work in different places. You get to see Svartalheim. We see the realm of the dwarves. We see Jotunheim. You, this Jotunheim moment is just, it's got this giant baby uh, and it's just awful. He, he's like literally killing babies, holding up flaming, you know, goblets and murdering already murdered and dead things. He's hanging out with uh, corporate CEO, just dirty, nasty stuff. And again, it, it's like, it's not the war yet. It is just the drumbeats of like the beginning of the war. You can like hear the march and the doof, 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 doof as this is going to come to the, all the realms and it's going to be wild. This says the, like the last words in this is to be continued in next month's Thor number one and next year's war of the realms. I maybe know everything that's going to happen in war of the realms. Oh, and I may say you? that <laughs> this story is wild. I would expect nothing less. Hot dogs from good books this week, y'all. Uh, if you want to learn about all the new comics out this week, you can go and check out Marvel's The Pull List, which should still be in this podcast feed. And again, you can watch the video version with young Tucker, Marcus, and myself talking about a couple of books, pulling out a couple highlights. Let us know what you think. Give me a, give me a little tweety tweet and uh, we'll find out. So, you know, Malekith, he's building his army for the War of the Realms, and he, he needs to find the best people for this job. Unfortunately, he cannot use ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter only gives you the best candidates. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job, not to rampaging across the 10 realms. That is not what ZipRecruiter is all about. But 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And again, we do not want to fuel Malekith's rampage. That is not what we're here for. The right candidates are out there, except for Malekith, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them if you are an awesome company who needs to find the right people. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash week. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash week. ZipRecruiter.com slash week. I could say it three times, and the ZipRecruiter person just appears behind me and hugs me, and then we say, this is awesome. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so we go from the new books out this week to some news about some upcoming things. Because now, Marvel's always making comics. We always making comics. Yeah. We teased you at the beginning of the show that we have two special guests on this episode joining us to talk about some stuff. They are, uh, I was told we had some announcements this week. We do. And I was like, you know what? Why don't we get the people actually making these books to talk about them I since mean, they're in the building? They are all right here making the magic as we speak yeah. and figuring out all the stories. So, yeah. So It was very kind of them to, to make the time, to talk to us, tell them about what they're doing. Yeah. Heck yeah. First up is podcast listener and friend who wait i will say this he was like dude why are you why are you busted my mystique and now he's gonna be really upset when i'm saying this but donnie is the best and he tells the best story so donnie cates tell us about some news donnie cates you are here and there's some uh news breaking for you this week and I figured, why not have you talk about the book instead of me and Jamie? Okay. Uh, so what do we what do we got? We got a special spinoff from your Venom series. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Venam, 
and it uh, it takes place during what you would probably assume the Vietnam War. Um, and it's the weirdest thing um, that I've ever had greenlit. <laughs> oh, wait. Ha- that this is the weirdest thing. You've got some really great weird stuff. You're right. I guess it. Cosmic Ghostwriter has to be the number <laughs> one, right? Um, no, you were in the retreat when this happened. I, you know, there's a, a, a. I'm not spoiling anything. In the first issue of Venom, we meet a character named Rex Strickland, and he shows this photo of of him and his men who who were a part of the symbiote soldier program, like Flash, and the reveal that Shield has been doing that program for a lot longer than we ever thought. And he shows a picture of uh, him and his men in Vietnam. And they're all, you know, they're wearing symbiote gear and everything. Um, and at the retreat, um, I very much jokingly said, Venam. And Jason Aaron, who's a friend, um, uh, spoke up and was like, that's funny. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cool. Yeah, uh, heard. Um, and then, like, I don't know, two weeks after that, I got a call from CB and he was like, Hey, if you want to do that, we can do that. And I was like, I mean, I'm not going to say no to doing that. That's the craziest thing ever. Um, so it's really fun. I've never written um, like a war book, you know? And so it was really fun to go and research and like read um, The Nam, you know, which is phenomenal. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's some, some really big guest stars uh, are going to be in this issue. Uh, characters that I've never had the pleasure of writing uh, before. And they're hunting down uh, Rex's kind of squad because it's a it's a very much a black ops kind of a thing, and so in that vein of like you know a, a few soldiers in in the jungle hunting down monsters that can you know uh, that can cloak and everything, uh, it's it's Predator, <laughs> it's the movie Predator. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really fun. It's not so much Predator as it is a different thing that I didn't steal. Uh, but it's really fun. This has gone off the rails so fast. <laughs> Terrific art by uh, Juan and Ramirez. Uh, it's great. Yeah, covered yeah. by Ryan Sexy Stegman. Mm-hmm. And this is coming out in August. That sounds good. Awesome. Thank you, Donnie. Hey, thank you. Oh, man. Y'all have no idea. Donnie's... Pff, he's got more up his sleeve than you even know. It's going to be great. Uh, up his sleeve, including a Cosmic Ghost Rider tattoo. Dude got Cosmic Ghost Rider tattooed on him. That's devotion. Heck yeah. I love Donnie. I'm uh, going to have to see this because I really like it when people get comics inspired tattoos. For sure. I like to see how they translate on the human body because it's difficult mm-hmm. to go from the page to the flesh. <laughs> Sounded like a Clive Barker moment there. I hope so. Yeah, like Pinhead <laughs> is like from the page to the from flesh. From the page to the flesh. Uh, anyway, on to the next announcement, and we've got Kelly Thompson here to talk about it. Kelly! Kelly Thompson, what news do we have of yours this week? We have the news that we are launching in August a brand new West Coast Avengers led by Kate Bishop Hawkeye. We have art, so Marvel probably won't come after me if I say we've got also Clint Barton Hawkeye. And America Chavez will be joining Kate, her BFF. Um, And then we're also going to have, just to keep you guys on your toes constantly, uh, Gwenpool and Quentin Quire, a.k.a. Kid Omega. I love this team. (laughs) I think mixing characters up into new combinations, it's exciting. Like, I love Jason Aaron's storytelling, and I love his Avengers book. It's really great, and it's huge, and it's epic. We're doing, um, it's a little bit more comedy. The stakes are a little lower. We're the West Coast. We're the, 
where they're not quite funded to defeat the Celestials team. But I think it's a good counterpoint. Like, you've got your big classic Avengers doing their big classic Avenger stuff, and then you've got your Parks and Rec meets superheroes guys. The artist on the book. Oh, my God. I'm the worst partner. It's Stefano Caselli. Yeah. He's amazing. So excited. Uh, oh, man. He's been doing some really cool work for many years. So I'm excited to see what you two cook up. Thank you, Kelly, for taking the time with us. Thanks, guys. So good. Uh, we we recorded some videos with Donnie and Kelly will be on Women of Marvel really soon. I was able to steal a couple minutes to uh, get her to talk to you guys on This Week in Marvel. So uh, thank you to Judy and Sana for giving me a couple minutes with Kelly. Um, also on uh, the Marvel podcast universe, we've got Greg Pak. He is on Marvel's Voices this week talking with Angelique. Uh, I want to listen to that one because I love Greg. I've known Greg now a very long time, and uh, he's he's kind of the best. He tells stories really well, both in the comics, but when you talk to him, he's a great storyteller. Uh, very exciting. So Greg is Greg Pak is on Marvel's Voices. Kelly will soon be on Women of Marvel. Check those out where you get your podcasts. On the game's front, over in Strike Force, uh, I opened up the game after an update, and boom, Deadpool was all over this mother, and it was terrific. Uh, I've been playing this. He's, you know, you can battle with Deadpool in this legendary event. You can participate in other ways to collect chimichangas to start Deadpool raids. Uh, the goal being recruiting Deadpool, but as a bonus, you also get to play with Cable, which means I assume, hopefully, we're going to get Cable in the game. That makes me so happy. Oh my gosh. It's going to, yeah, the, in the coming weeks, Cable is going to be in the game and recruitable. So, really great. They added a bunch of other stuff and they tweaked some things, some updates to the game. But Deadpool and Cable and so much fun in Strike Force. But I got confirmation from uh, our friend Becca over on the games team that I can say, was able to play a little Marvel's Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 oh, when I was really? in the office last week. And it's awesome. Oh, very sweet. Yeah. How's it looking? Like, what is it? How would you describe? You are, you're trying to get me to spill all the secrets here, Jamie. I'm just thinking about our audience. The yeah. inquiring minds want to know. It's terrific. I, I probably so played cool. it for about two hours. Uh, which, wow. Which was a lot of fun. And That's awesome. <laughs> I got to hang out with uh, the Marvel Games team, uh, Mike Jones and uh, Bill Roseman and Isabel and, and Chuck and everybody. And it was just, it was good. I got to hang out with them. I saw the Marvel-themed entertainment team as well. Uh, Brian Crosby over there. He may have told me some cool secrets and we would have discussed some stuff, but I can't spill those. You're such a tease, Ryan. Yeah. This is what I do. Such a tease. Secrets with four E's. Ooh, intriguing, with just as many E's. <laughs> I like that. In other new media news in our podcast network, Marvel's Z The Universe is featuring former NFL star and current mathematician John Urschel, and he is making some cosmic yogurt. I've seen the pictures. It is very colorful, much like the heavy metal Spinal Tap Thor that we've been talking about. It's Thor is just colors to me, and this is what that cosmic yogurt looks like. If Thor was a yogurt, it's this yogurt, mm. which is the whole point of it, really. But um, we also have Marvel Studios Black Panther on DVD and Blu-ray, and again, Marvel's Agents of Shield was renewed for a sixth season. You can check out the previous seasons on iTunes. We have more movies coming up. Heck yeah! Now Marvel Studios Ant-Man and the Wasp. Comes to theaters July 6th, 2018. You know what? 
one lucky fan will be able to attend the premiere for the movie in L.A. Oh, my goodness. Well, how do you make that dream a reality? I'm glad you asked, Jamie. Now, you apply for a Marvel MasterCard from now until May 31st. 2018 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, and then you'd be entered to win. An application only gives a chance to win. So, yeah, no guarantees, but if you don't apply, then you have zero chance. Right. (laughs) And, like, one chance is better than no chance at all. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 years or older for rules. And to apply, visit marvelmastercard.com. Now, Jamie... If I were someone who would want Marvel News, where would I go to find such Marvel News? Oh, you can find your Marvel News on Marvel.com. Would that be News.Marvel.com? News.Marvel.com. 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 Where you get all the Marvel News. Plus, we'll put some links in the show notes and the description and all that good stuff for uh, those of you who just want to click-a-click from the podcast. So... I chatted with Mr. Scotty Young when uh, I was in Chicago in April, and that's our conversation here for this week's episode. Scotty and I talk a little bit about his career, um, which is cool. We talk about uh, his first book, which was Iceman, 15 years ago, and um, I love Scotty to death. He is a far better artist today than he is than he was back then. He will admit it. We talk about it. Uh, we talk about how he drew his characters wearing Jenko jeans, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, no, he did." Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they just got them big old pants uh, because wow. he's like, "I was wearing, you know, just what I was wearing that like big jeans and shell top sneakers." And he had a very even more oh, graffiti like style back then, uh, and he's matured and changed and developed so much. He's a sweetheart. We have a lot of conversation. We also talk a lot about Deadpool because he's writing Deadpool with Nick Klein. And uh, I'm very excited for that one. That's that's coming up real soon. It's a big time. Check it out. Hope you enjoy it. Scotty is doing amazing work. I'm really excited for you guys to check out his Deadpool. Uh, let's get on with it. Evil producer Brandon, run that interview. All right, we're with Scotty Tuhati. Whoa, Scotty Young. What's up? How's it going? Good, man. How about you? I am. I am delightful. <laughs> I am excited. I'm happy. All right, so we got to talk about Deadpool. Yeah. It's it's a big deal. It's really exciting. It's crazy. I'm I'm super excited for you. Um, and you're joined on the book by Nick Klein. Yep. Nick, I, Nick Klein's launching it. Yeah. It is. Is that his first? Marvel work? No, that's that's the interesting thing. He's done he did uh, some Winter Soldier stuff back in the day. Okay. Um, I want to say he did some Captain okay, so America a stuff. A couple with things, Rick. but it's, it's not and it, frequent. And it's no, not, no, nothing yeah. on a regular. It was like a, a mini here, or I felt he did an issue of. I think he did one of Jason Aaron's favorite issues of Thor, mm-hmm. and, but this is his first time, I think, at Marvel on an ongoing. Yeah, you know, and launching it, and launching and, like, it in and, a big and, way. Yeah, yeah, and it just his colors, like the you know the color palette that goes with his art, is so it pops. It's yeah. so vibrant. It's so fun. Uh, what do you guys? What, what's the plan? Where, where we you know see Deadpool without giving too much away for the end of Jerry's run? Sure. Uh, because, I mean, he's going out with a bang. Yeah, Jerry's. That, yeah, it's the same thing. On a panel yesterday, I, I said, you know, it's. I feel like it's very hard for me to to say too much because, Jerry, I've read I've read the last issue and and I really don't want to ruin that. So basically, what I'm saying is the general premise is, you know, Deadpool's decided that you know. He's taking things back to basics. He's just going to be a merc for hire, you know, and that's it. No more, you know, he's not, he's not going to be doing the Avengers thing. He's not going to be doing the X-Force thing. He's not going to be, like, riding that line of, like, 
uh, you know, no more of this, am I a hero? Am I? He's just like, I want money for doing what I do. <laughs> um, and, you know, doing that, you know, starting that back up, just like any startups, you know, it's, it's business is a little slow at first and the kind of jobs he's getting aren't as glamorous as kind of the life that he was leading while he was teaming up with, uh, teaming up with Avengers and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, him and, and his uh, associates <laughs> decide uh, that they needed to kind of figure out a new way to drum up some business. So luckily, the, uh, luckily a big old cosmic level event happens right around that time. So he, he thinks that's an opportune time to maybe get involved in uh, maybe he trying to kill this thing. So uh, yeah, it's, it, will, you know, it goes from there. And outside of that, it's just going to be a lot of run and gun action, funny you know, again, bombastic stuff. Same kind of thing that I did with Rocket Raccoon and Groot over the over those couple of years, where, you know, I'd like to get in and run. You know, um, you'll find my story arcs are much shorter, so you you might pick up a trade and have a couple story arcs within that trade because yeah. I just like to get in and gun. You know, is that something that is a conscious decision on your part to like make them shorter story arcs? Well, you know, it just comes for me. It just comes down to what the idea that we come up with. What can it sustain, and what should it sustain? I think. I think that's a really good point. What yeah. should it sustain? Right. You don't have to do six. Right. You and don't have to do eight, two, three. Great. Exactly. Sometimes one. Yeah. I mean, sometimes an idea is just that. It's just that idea. It's good enough to be published, but it's not. It's not strong enough to to float a five issue story. Yeah. And that sometimes I know. And this is just speaking for me. I know when I've tried to do that, that's when my stories get weaker because of just, I'm decompressing them simply to fit the space. Mm. And you find yourself slogging through it versus like, you know what, if we just slam this into three, like we, we cut all the fat and then we just make up more fun stuff for issues, you know, three, five, or three, four, and five, or five, you know. And you, you, you end up with, to me, a lot, you end up with a lot of cool stuff for your character to play around with. And I like, there's something that I like and I didn't really know this until I started working on like Rocket Raccoon, and because Rocket Raccoon, I started off with an arc, and then slowly was real, started getting this mentality of like, let's shorten these things. And me and at the time, um, Jake Thomas, who's also my editor on, on Deadpool, because of our relationship that we had on Rocket, I was like, if I if I do this, I definitely want Jake to be along for the ride with That's me. That's cool. Um, because of that, we were in the same mind. Like, let's just chop this up. And what I realized was. Um, it allowed me to be way more nimble throughout the year with really maintaining inspiration. So I could, I could be inspired by an idea and be writing that idea for, the, for an issue one or two issues away versus when, you're, when, when I'm writing things in five and six issue arcs and then I get an idea, sometimes I not, might not have time for that idea for a year. Yeah. And then, then it's kind of gone. But like, I mean, I remember one time with Rocket one night, I was like just sitting there and I decided like, well, I was trying to think of a plot for the next issue, and then I like Pacific Rim came on, and I was like, "Oh man, Kaiju!" <laughs> Whoa! And then I thought like, "Groot, Groot's a monster!" Like, and I was like, "Groot, oh, like a Grootzilla type!" Like, oh, boom! <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm just writing like a future episode. Like, they get in the future, and Rocket's the only person that could stop the giant Kaiju that is Groot, and you're just like. That happened because I was able to just be nimble and on the spot and be inspired by something and, and filter that through a lens and see where that takes me down that right, right then and not go like, oh, in two and a half years, once I've finished my ultimate arc, our ultimate story, I'll get to that. So it's, it's fun like that. And I think characters like Deadpool, 
can, can do that, you know, because humor, I feel like you stay too long and, it, and you're like, eh, all right, move on, you know? Yeah. So th- for me, at least the way that I approach it. So yeah, I, I really enjoy just figuring out what an idea should sustain. No, I love that. That's smart. And like, it feels refreshing and good and exciting. Um, So you talked about you wanted to have Jake with you on Deadpool. Is that how you, Nick, got on the book? Were you like, I want to do this with Nick? Was it Jake who came in and said? No, it's it's kind of, you know, everybody, you know, I've been at Marvel for a billion years. (laughs) And and so I've never leave. Yeah, it's one big, one big family. And, and, um, CB, when CB first reached out to me about the possibilities of Deadpool, I thought, I was like, yeah, let's, let's definitely do it. Um, and he was like, you know, start thinking about who you want to do, who you want to work with. And who were you thinking about an editor? And I was like, well, definitely Jake. I didn't know Mark Basso that well until the, this last retreat. But since we've started and on these issues, he's awesome as well. Like, that's a great editorial partnership they've got going on for at least the, this book with me. And uh, they've really made me a better writer just in the few issues that we've worked on. Nick has been a friend of mine for almost 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. We actually met, really tough, me and my wife had a podcast back in like 2009, and Nick wrote into it. <laughs> and I recognized his name because he was in some like fantasy digital art magazines huh. uh, back in like the 2000s, so where he's like showing how to digitally paint. And I just recognized his name because he's a great artist and illustrator. But I don't know that he had done that much comic stuff yet. Yeah. So we just kind of, we actually met through a podcast back then and became friends. He lived in Germany. Um, and then, I've, you know, obviously we've, we've been buddies since. And he's done amazing, amazing art. On yeah, some really great stuff at Image. Image, yeah. Books like Viking and, yeah. and Drifter. And, and he's done some stuff at Marvel with Captain America yeah. and, and all those things. But uh, I went to him, and he's not normally a guy who jumps on ongoings. You know, he's, he's got a really labor-intensive style. He colors all his own stuff. It's this, like, beautiful, painted-esque texture. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so he's not... He doesn't usually do that, but... And when he does do it, it's more on indie books, like his image books. So I just was like, hey, what would you think about uh, coming on and launching, you know, Deadpool, if, you know, if, if I could get them to go for it? And... And he was like, oh, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. And you know, I don't know how much I would have, what the time is scheduled. He was, he was cool about it, but like then, and, and then he was like, yeah, that'd be fun to do it with you and we'll do it. So he kind of was in for a launch. And then um, I went to the retreat and then I came back and kind of told him all the ideas that, you know, we had, Jake and I had kind of cobbled together. And he went from being like, oh, yeah, you know, so I'll do three or four issues to like, well, oh, I want to, I want to draw that one too. And, <laughs> But I kind of want to draw that little arc too, and then he was like, "Okay, fine." You know, like so, just through like being buddies and really all of us banging our heads together, Nick as well, he decided to come on. And and the the other person is that we haven't mentioned yet is Scott Hepburn, who's currently doing Spider-Man Deadpool. Yeah, he was also a name that I, I that I had on list on the list as well as Nick because again wasn't quite sure where Nick's head was. So, um, but Scott was busy with he's in the middle of a Spider-Man Deadpool arc, but it, he already kills on the character. It's so good. It's amazing. So, and his, I think his style works really well with, with your like vision, your aesthetic, yes. your, your vibe. Right. So uh, he's, he's on too. So those two are going to be, he just need a little extra time to wrap up the arc that he's doing on Spider-Man Deadpool, and then he's going to swing over, and those two are going to be rotating. So I'm going to constantly be writing something for each of these guys, which is a dream come true for an artist, uh, you know, an artist of 17 years who's for the last five or six years been writing and really loving that process 
to get this kind of art to come back to you is just uh, it's a dream come true. Yeah, look, you're good at helping me get right into the segues because I wanted to ask you about being an artist and, and for you know so long writing and drawing your own stuff right. or drawing with other writers and now you know basically being a being the guy who's like here's the script and like was it difficult for you to start just like letting that go and, and giving someone else the, that like baton? I thought that it would be because I definitely am a little bit of a control freak. I thought that it would be difficult, but it really hasn't been. And, it, and it's mostly because, and again, I give credit to everybody at Marvel that I've worked as an editorial um, in that they've always let me bring on, I mean, from, from pretty much every project on Rocket, they let me bring on artists that I wanted to work with. And when you do that, if you could go out and pick that person, especially as an artist, I can, I can flip through somebody's, you know, a trade paperback of somebody's work and instantly know how to write for that artist. You just understand it like, oh, yeah. I get it. Like, he likes a five-panel page and he likes a heavy third tier or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you get all this stuff and you're like, all right, so I know how to plug it. Or like, oh, you know, Jake Parker is going to come on and do this and Jake's great at robots, so I'm just going just to write some crazy robot stories, you know, <laughs> because he's going to kill it. Um, so letting go of that was, I thought it'd be hard and it's actually been one of the easiest things because most of these, most of these artists that I work with, they're better than me. So like, you know, like we all do different stuff, but I mean, their, their craft level is so beyond what I'm capable of doing that they just make me look super smart. I'm glad you're, you're, you're stay humble, but I, Scotty, (laughs) come on. Scotty, you know I, I adore you, but man, you are a very oh, good artist. Thank you, thank You're you, thank you. You're a very good artist. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, what was your first book at Marvel? Was it Iceman? Iceman number three. It was a fill-in right. on Iceman number three. Carl Kershaw was doing the, the, the regular series, and he missed it. Little, I didn't know later in life me and Carl would be buds, but yeah, it was uh, a, a random issue, issue number three of Marvel Icons or whatever, you know, they were doing yeah, yeah. solo series. So yeah, that was my first one. I'd never drawn a comic book before that I, comic. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't never. even think I knew that part. Yeah, I've, I had never drawn, I think I had drawn it most, maybe five pages, and they were, and this isn't me being faux humble. No, this no. Is, they were terrible. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was, you know, that was an interesting time in comics. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, this is this is baby internet days, so it still was very hard to go out and find, yeah. you know, filling guys on the fly, and, and so it was, a, it was an interesting time, but... Yeah, Iceman number three, never drawn a full comic book before, turned it around in like three or four weeks, the buddy of mine inking in Chicago, and man, it was, uh, it was bizarre. It was a bizarre. I feel like life. everybody was wearing Jinkos, like oh, Jinko yeah, for, style pants. Oh yeah, the, like, like super cargo pants, yeah. everybody's wearing like uh, shell toe Adidas. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because that was basically me at those yeah. days, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a hot mess. Um, how does doing, you know, Writing a, a series like Deadpool affect I Hate Fairyland or you know like anything else you're trying to do? Um, I don't think that it does. I mean, one thing for me, I only think it affects it positively, right? I think that everything is um, just feeds into the other and exposes the different audiences to each other. And luckily, I think that, I mean the voices, the two, the voices of these two books, the, the you know my my book I Hate Fairyland and Deadpool. I think that I'm a natural fit for Deadpool because of what I've been doing in I Hate Fairyland. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a bonkers book. It is yeah. super bonkers, <laughs> which is great. I mean, right. you know, it fits. Um, no, it, it only affects it positively because you know, for anybody who knows me, you know, especially in the you know last ten years or so, like I am a very schedule oriented creator. Like I live and die by the calendar, and I you know I've I've told editors straight up before like. And they'll be like, hey, we're, 
ah, oh, this is, where do you have this? I'm like, well, no, I didn't have a date. Like, if it's not, if there was not a date on the calendar, it just does not exist. If it's on the calendar, it's getting done. Like, so for me, I just keep everything mapped out and uh, I'm able to see where I'm at and how to get ahead. So with writing, what I find, I will really, I get everything in modes. So if I, when I'm in a writing mode, I might take three or four weeks and just, just get ahead on you know a project so yeah. you know there's a couple other image books that i'm doing where i just sat there for you know a good three four weeks and once you're in that mode you'll notice that it goes faster mm. you know because if you've got to stop and start something like pencil today ink today it's like everything's like shaking off the dust in the same day but it's like if i'm on my fifth writing day start and the same characters you're in it you know and then you're on your eighth writing day your tenth writing day with those same characters all of a sudden i'm finding that the scripts pace is going so all of a sudden I'll have you know my next arc of fairyland already done and then you know I might thumbnail that in a week too so I might have a whole arc written and thumbnailed of one project push that aside jump on another thing and sooner or later I'm just ahead enough on everything where I'm never chasing the, the deadline yeah I'm far enough ahead of it so Deadpool's the newest so it's the thing that I'm the least ahead on mm-hmm. um, but I'm still ahead you yeah. know so so far, it's not been that it's not been any, any kind of detrimental thing. Because I mean, again, I, you know, I do, you know, a six million covers. I think. <laughs> so, pretty, yeah, yeah. I think six million is yeah, a fair, pretty fair close, estimate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gosh, covers. Uh, is there a uh, a character you haven't drawn at Marvel that you want to uh, draw? I, man. Like, I can't. I'm sad that I don't think that I've gotten to draw like a baby chamber. Like all I want to do is bring back like the '90s X Generation X. And draw just those characters, but yeah. yeah, Chamber's always been a fun character for me, one of my favorites, and for I haven't got to draw him yet. Have you done a baby Modok? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, and he's in. Yeah, he's in the AV. Yeah, the, he's in the, 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 the yeah, giant size little X Men or okay. AV. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah one of those. Done. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I drew him in that, and I think I've drawn him as a couple sketches, you know, here and there at a con. That book, I came close to kind of throwing in most most characters I haven't been able to fit on a cover. Yeah. Um, I th- would, you know, try to throw people in there on, on, uh, in the background, you know, baby watcher. It's like his creepy dad, watcher dad watching him while he sleeps. <laughs> Things like that. Good. Yeah. Um, we're going to finish up because, uh, we're going to wrap this up. I think you're going to come to Marvel headquarters. Maybe we'll, we'll pick up another time and, and talk yeah. a little bit more. Uh, but before we started recording, uh, you had mentioned that it's just so cool. Like when you talk to fans and, and. The, f- the connections you can make with people, and you're getting recognized by your art in Japan. Right, right. Places. Uh, like, how does that feel? Like, tell, I, w- I want you to express that here on the show, because we were just talking. Yeah, well, it's before. amazing. You know, somebody asked me a question once. You know, we, you know it's funny because we were just talking about the covers, and somebody asked me, um, do you ever get worried, you know, that, you know, you do so many of these covers, do you ever worry that you, that's what you're going to be known for? And, you know, my answer to that was like, no, because... It's amazing to be known at all. Like I don't like it's not a thing. Like the idea that I I literally grew up in a town of three thousand people in the middle of Illinois cornfields, you know, um, and to think that when I grew up I was gonna make like play pretend on paper with p- pencils and pens and ink, and people in other countries would know who I am when I go there. Like that's bizarre. Like it's amazing. So if that if if that happening is because of you know Oz, you know the Oz books or these. The, the little Marvel covers or fill in the Deadpool or fill in the blank. I will never be mad at any of that. Like it is, it is amazing to be known at all, let alone be known for one specific thing. And in fact, it's pretty crazy awesome. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's, it's so cool to see kids and moms and grandmas and, 
dads and brothers just come up to your table and you know they'll have built costumes out of the things that you've made like out of your brain and and uh you know or like come up besides like they, you know they make stuffed animals now of, of my drawings and they've got yeah pajama pants like literally i have a pair of pajama pants that's covered in my drawings of rocket <laughs> raccoon like hundreds of drawings um that's bizarre it's crazy so yeah it's, it's a never-ending it's a never-ending life of amazement for me i can't get over it it's crazy yeah. it's pretty great and uh I'm so happy, and, and you're amazing. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Back at you. Yeah. Thanks, guy. Thank you. And we are done with Mr. Scotty Young. He is the best I'm seeing him this week. But if you want to get a preview of Deadpool number one, you can visit Marvel.com, mm-hmm. and you can see the cover and a few preview pages. So you're getting an actual first look inside. What is Deadpool doing now? You can find out. Heck yeah. Going to the tweets right now. First up is Brian Stranko. He says, just got to This Week in Marvel 306 and finally heard the updated West Coast theme since the departure of both Stromy and the Wolfman. I was wondering when slash if that would change or it would just ride as a strange nostalgic nod to the West Coast days of yore. Brian, more changes are coming. Uh, Sandy Britton. Uh, C. Sandy Run. Sandy says, my comic shop is awesome. It's at C. Paradise with a Z. They have a pull list for me and even saved me some of the comics from Free Comic Book Day. That is great. That is Collector's Paradise Comics in Winnetka, Los Angeles. Shout outs to them. Thank you for being awesome to our listeners. And from David Beldeon, artist on Domino Number 2. Said so. I was catching up with the This Week in Marvel podcast, and they talked about Domino Number Two in the poll list. They were as kind as to make some really insightful considerations about yours truly storytelling, and I'd like to say, oh my God, thank you so much. Notice that sounds exactly like David. I've never yeah. met David, so I. I'm just going to assume that That that's what he sounds like. Thank you for listening and sharing out the episode. Uh, We dig your art, dude. That's the way it goes. I love it. I love Domino Number One and Two. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait till number three. I love looking at it. I love reading it. It's something that I relate to as a lady. Send us more gifts with tweets and I will pick a voice for each one. <laughs> I like that Rafi B responded to this. He says, now I want a David Baldion slash Donny Cates book where their only goal is to be the This Week in Marvel top hit each issue. I'm into it. Do it. Bring it on, boys. We have the Tech Lord. Who says, Jamie Frevely Kickbox is awesome from a fellow martial artist. Thank you, Tech Lord. I do. I, do, I don't know if I'm good, but I sure like hitting things. Our friend Simon Williams has a Twim of the Week. He joins the Domino Parade. Domino number two is his Twim of the Week for May 9th. Uh, he says he's enjoying the new art style on Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 32 and that Dr. Muscle Fists may be the coolest superhero name ever. And yes, Simon, I agree. It also sounds like a good pro wrestling gimmick. It is also what I call myself when I go kickboxing. <laughs> <laughs> and Simon says, after reading Exiles number three, I would love to see a Captain America Peggy Carter series. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, so there is a female Captain America in Spider-Gwen, but a uh, very different character. Uh, different universes, isn't it? So, there are all, so many different universes. I love that idea. Who knows? I would love it, but uh, I, as I keep talking about exiles with people, there's just so many things happening, so many ideas. It's so neat. It sounds like it's ripe for spinoffs. <laughs> when you got all those characters, like yeah. two of them are going to like meet up in a corner and just be like, you know, what's going to happen if we just like go to Starbucks? <laughs> Go into Starbucks, a Marvel comic store. 
Uh, Raph A.B. says, I wonder how Nick Spencer will cram Boomerang into his new Spider-Man book. Reads the free comic book day issue. Didn't see that one coming. Oh, Raph, you don't know nothing yet. Uh, <laughs> hearing uh, Nick talk about the story and the book and there's just so many cool things uh, coming. And H.P. Seaton says, thanks. This week at Marvel for the episode with Gail Simone. Really good. No. Thank you, H.P., for listening and if, checking it out. If David Baldione wants to draw my dog into Domino at one point and have her meet Pip the tiny pup, I wouldn't be against it. Wow. Wow. You're just putting it all out there. I, I really want to see my dog in a comic book. <laughs> I think Peggy would be a wonderful character. Yeah. And also her name is Peggy. She belongs in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Fair. I like this. Very good. Uh, if you have a dog named after a Marvel character... <laughs> Tweet us. That is our sort of question slash mission of the week. Do you have a pet named after a Marvel character? Tweet us. Hashtag This Week in Marvel. Let us know. You can also email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. And I ain't going to say no to pictures of your dogs or your cats or your birds or your fish, your turtles, your ferrets, your cute little rats. Uh, A pet rat is adorable. They are. Rats are adorable and very smart. Heck yeah. And I would not mind seeing your pet rats. I think they're delightful. Um, I actually posted a very amazingly cute picture of my dog Peggy in an Avengers bandana. And uh, she's smiling and everything. And I'm just really proud of her. (laughs) She makes me so happy. (laughs) On that note, that's another episode of (laughs) This Week in Marvel. Hope you all enjoyed it. Check it all out. All the things we talked about. Lots of tweets and links and stuff in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jamie. This is Marvel. Your universe.